Today's scripture reading comes from John 16, verses 23 through 33. On that day, you will ask nothing of me. Very truly, I tell you, if you ask anything of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, so that your joy may be complete. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures, but will tell you plainly of the Father. On that day, you will ask in my name. I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I am leaving the world and am going to the Father. His disciples said, Yes, now you are speaking plainly, not in any figure of speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need to have anyone question you. By this we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? The hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each one to his home, and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. I have said this to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you face persecution, but take courage. I have conquered the world. The word of the Lord. Uh, well, you know, you, you know, your kindness and, and uh, you know, the way you have received us here has been so overwhelming, it's, it's ruining uh, when I go back home, I don't get that. Uh, I probably have one of the most conservative, introspective congregations in the world, and um, if someone says amen, it shocks everybody, uh, at least out loud. Uh, I've so enjoyed being with you. Um, I say that sincerely. Um, Ruthann and I have felt so well received and we are grateful. It's amazing to me how that um, uh, ministry to others uh, always ends up being a ministry to me and to us. And if I could say this uh, to, to many of you have, I've had conversations with, thank you for sharing with us. So thank you for letting us in, hearing some of your own stories. Uh, we've made some new friends here, and we are so much better because of that. Uh, I'm convinced that Christian spirituality is more communal than individual, uh, that God has called us to not be this rugged individuals who tries to forge out our own way individually and make it work. It's up to me and me alone. Uh, I think all of John's gospel, if not all of the gospel itself, points to the necessity of others to help us to live this life faithfully. I pray that you would recognize the gift of this community to each other, uh, that you would recognize you play a significant role. Sometimes when I talk about community to people, they think I'm just talking about a nice idea, but the Bible would paint for us a picture that we truly do need others to see God well. 
I thought that was good. Thank you. I, I didn't want the applause, except I wanted you to ponder the words. You need one another to see God well. And I pray that you would learn to be together as God intended. So this morning, I end my time with you, sadly, <laughs> but with hope. Um, I want to start with asking a question. If you could ask God anything and you knew he would answer your prayer, what would you ask him for? I mean, if you, if, you, if you had to think right now about anything you would ask of God and you were certain that God would answer that prayer, what is it that you would ask him for? Uh, a couple of years before my family died in that horrendous car accident, I was working in an administrative office. Uh, I learned that I was not cut out for that work very quickly. I ended up spending more time counseling people than crunching numbers and filing papers. But during the time I was there, I made a friend uh, in a colleague, his name was George. I found out that George is a really good name for musicians. It really is. Uh, and, and George one day brought into the office an acoustic guitar. And I'm a wannabe musician. So when I see people up here, I have a little bit of envy, to be honest. And I have to always remind myself, we all have been given different gifts too. So just let people have their own gifts. But George brought in this guitar, and uh, over lunchtime in this old building, I worked in this old hospital that had wonderful acoustics, he started playing this guitar, and man, did this guitar sound amazing. <laughs> I remember sitting on the other side, and I, I didn't realize how sly George was. You see, George was bringing the guitar to work to sell it. And he knew you sell a guitar by letting people hear how good it sounds. And I would later find out that he wasn't that a great musician, but he knew one song really well. And I heard that song all lunch hour played over and over again. And as I listened to it, I went, I was kind of intrigued. I went to his office and I said, George, I said, I, I, I love the sound of this guy. He said, Stu, I'm selling it. <laughs> I said, I, I would love to buy it. How much do you want? He said, 800 rand. Not grand, rand, which I don't know what the conversion is. It's probably about $100, if not less. <laughs> now, this is many years ago. You know I'm not as young as you are. <laughs> that was a lot of money for me. And in fact, in South Africa, when you, are, you, know, when, when you even have your first job, at least in my culture, we stayed home and our parents received our paycheck. So I got like a, 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 a what do you call it when, when your parents give you a, an allowance. I got an allowance. I didn't have the money to buy this guitar. So I went home and I went to my mom and I said, Mom, I said, um, I want this guitar. I don't have the money. Would you ask Dad? <laughs> now you have to understand, I've, I've referenced this before, that my dad and I didn't have the closest relationship. And and, and thank God for those four months we had together that, that we really connected. That was very meaningful and healing to me. But you see, I wasn't sure that I could go directly to my dad. So I said to my mom, I said, I think if you asked him, 
he's more likely to say yes. Because I knew this, my mom, my dad really liked my mom. <laughs> I mean like really. And I, I said to her, and she kept saying, go and ask your dad, go and ask your dad. Eventually she said this to me. If you just knew how much he loved you, Stu, you would know how much he would want to give you what you're asking. Go and ask him. But you see, I wasn't convinced. <laughs> and so I said, yeah, no, I'm not buying it. You ask. Long story short, she did. I had the guitar and I was awesome. In fact, this morning I thought I should join you just to show you my skills, but we don't have time for that. So maybe the next time I visit, I'll, I'll show you what I can do on an acoustic guitar. I think our text is doing precisely that. Jesus in this upper room discourse in just a chapter or so is going to be arrested. He will be crucified. He will be resurrected and he will ascend and he will depart his disciples. There's a sense in which Jesus is making a very simple point. He's saying, I want you to know how much the father loves you. And I want you to have confidence to know this that you can ask what you need in my name and you would be assured he will give it to you. Let me put it a different way. Jesus is saying this, because you have learned to make your home in me and I'm connected to the father and the father deeply loves the son that when you ask the father something, it's like me asking the father something. When you need something, it's like me needing something. And if I need something, the father filled with love for the son will stop at nothing to give me what I need. So ask him whatever you want because you know that he deeply loves you. Let me pause for a second and suggest to many of us that the question I asked at the outset, what would you ask of God if you knew he would give it to you? I want to answer that question as I finish my time with you. I want to suggest that there's a few things I would encourage you to ask of God. Some of us this morning need to ask God to help us let go of a view of him that is distant, angry, disappointed, disengaged, and uninterested in our life. Some of us need to pray this prayer in Christ's name that we would be relieved from the perspective of God that stands over you consistently disappointed in your performance and to hear the words of Jesus that as you learn to abide in him, you can enter into a relationship of security knowing that God's love is the foundation of that relationship and that there is nothing he will withhold from you that you need to live a life pleasing to him. You're like my congregation now. You're saying amen on the inside. That's okay. Do you believe that? 
do you believe that he loves you so? You know, I said at the outset of the, uh, the, the time with you that I only have one message. I just preach it differently every time, but it's the same message. Have you heard this incredible love spoken over you today that there's nothing God will withhold from you that you need to live the life he's called you to live? Do you believe that he looks over you with great love? You know, at the heart of John's gospel is this wonderful verse that we've all learned early on in Sunday school. For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And then verse 17, for he did not send his son into this world to condemn this world, but that this world would be saved through him. This is the message of John's gospel. It is that God has come close to make one thing clear, that he loves us and invites us to be loved and to know such love so that we can be in every way the beloved of God in our world. I pray so desperately for you that that love would cease you, overtake you, overwhelm you, and fill you. I pray that your prayer life would become confident that you would learn to ask the Lord. Are you getting nervous because I'm on this ledge? I'm a little nervous. I, I felt my foot going. I don't know how you recover from that once you fall in front of a, a, a crowd. So let me just step down. I need to, I need to look at you in the eyes and I, and I want to speak this over you. I pray that you would pray this and believe this. That when he looks at you, he's exceptionally fond of you. I, I want to speak into the hearts of those of you who perhaps have had poor examples of love and so, so you don't know what unconditional love feels like. I, I want to speak to those of you sitting here who's saying, Stu, I, I, I don't know if I have the courage to believe what you're saying, but let me just assure you, just as I learned through my mom, my mom was so, do you, do you guys know I love my mom? If you don't by now, I haven't, I mean, I've only said it a thousand times. You know, my mom held up for me a picture of God. My, my, my mom showed me love. My mom uh, assured me that, that, in fact, my perspective of my dad wasn't right. I, I'm trying to do that for you. I, I'm trying to hold it up for you. But I recognize we don't get to where we are overnight. It takes sometimes years of seeing and hearing and experiencing things that makes us doubt that this could be true. But I pray that over time, if not now in this moment, by God's Holy Spirit, you would begin to believe you are loved for who you are. You will stop desiring to be who you are not and your prayer life would be emboldened you will start to pray the prayers of the kingdom that God would change not only your life but through your life change other lives listen let me say this to you this is the prayer I've been praying and can I say this to you it is wonderful when Jesus brings me all the way to San Diego to say see what happens when you believe that you are loved of God I got to tell you I am excited because this message 
is true in my life. It's not just a good idea that I preach to you. Oh, it makes good sense. It's good to say, God has so loved me that I have been transformed and am being transformed so that I may love with generosity and grace and extravagance without counting costs, without discriminating against people, but to reveal to them that this God is true and that he is real and that he is powerful and that he loves and that he loves and that he loves. If I could invite you to pray a second prayer and ask God for something else, I would say this. Not only to let go of a distorted view of who he is, but that you would ask God to just fill your life more with his spirit. Elsewhere in the Gospels, Jesus encourages his disciples to pray that God's spirit would fill them. The upper room discourse is filled with references to the need and the provision of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 16, get this, Jesus says, after telling them life will get real nasty for you, that I will not leave you without a helper. In fact, it is better for you that I go so that I can send you the very comforter, the very spirit. I want to read you what, how Eugene Peterson translate that scripture. He says uh, this, I didn't tell you this earlier because I was with you every day, but now I am on my way to the one who sent me. Not one of you has asked, where are you going? Instead, the longer I've talked, the sadder you've become. So let me say it again, this truth. It's better for you that I leave, for if I don't leave, the friend won't come. The Holy Spirit won't come. But if I go, I'll send him to you. This spirit will instruct you. This spirit will defend you. This spirit will empower you. And this spirit will guide you. This is the spirit that will bring you through trials. This is the spirit that will remind you when you're in the desert and it doesn't feel like renewal week of the truth that God has spoken over your life in this moment. This is the spirit that offers assurance and love. This is the spirit that empowers us to spread the gospel. This is the spirit that takes us out of our comfort zone and takes us into the home of Cornelius. This is the Holy Spirit that breaks down barriers and transforms lives. This is the Spirit that is given to us freely. If there is a prayer that the church needs to pray more and more, it is this, come Holy Spirit upon us. Come fill us afresh and anew. Pour out yourself on us so that we may be together more than we can be on our own. That may we be one as you are one. That the world may know know your love because your love is made manifest in us if there's a prayer that I want to leave you with encourage you to pray it is this fill my life Lord pour out your spirit in me anoint me you know one of the signs of the Holy Spirit I (laughs) you know when when I read Acts how much time I'm doing great I have nine minutes and 20 seconds that's awesome. Um, I, my church wished they had this, by the way. <laughs> I had this, I should say. Uh, when I read the Acts, uh, you know, of the apostles, uh, you know, it begins with that wonderful reality of waiting for the Spirit. You know this? Jesus says that, right? You know, wait for my Spirit. 
And I've, over the course of my life as being in the church, I've heard many good messages about the work of the Spirit, um, the empowerment of the Spirit. You know, the Spirit that comes at the Pentecost and fills them all and they speak in many tongues. I've heard a lot about how the Spirit can do great things in in the life of people. But then when I read kind of the narrative outflow of Acts and I, I go to Acts chapter 10 and you hear how the Spirit gives Peter a vision do you remember the story of eating food that previously would not eat? In fact, he says to God, he says, nothing profane has ever entered my lips. <laughs> and then God says this, don't call unclean what I have made clean. You remember this? And you know what happens in that vision, right? God's working in the home of Cornelius. Just stay with me for a second. Hopefully this will make sense soon. And God be- begins to, by his spirit, deconstruct a worldview in Peter that had postured him to think that Gentiles are on the outside, that, 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 that who he is and how he's been raised, that has, you know, I, you know that there was a, a bias that was implicit in him, and it's not until the Spirit moves Peter to recognize that he needs to go where he has not gone before that he goes. When I speak to people, and I'm just touching on my heart and my work in this present season, when I talk to the, to the church about diversity, when I talk to the church about making room for people unlike ourselves, I hope the church hears it's not Stu's idea. I hope the church hears that the Spirit wants to break in and through us in such a way, confronting our own limited way of seeing the world and leading us to new tables and to new homes. If there is a prayer that needs to be prayed, it is this, pour out your Holy Spirit on the church. And then I close with this. To which all God's people says, yay. Oh, I mustered a few laughs. I'm still funny. I wonder perhaps if one of the most absent characteristics of Christians today is hope. I wonder that if we were to ask non-Christian people to describe the evangelical church in the West, what words would they use to describe us? Would they describe us as those who possess joy? Apparently, Jesus says when you abide in him, your joy is made complete and it will know no end. But it seems to me there's a lot more Christians who look like they ate something nasty, that they look at their world through this lens of loss, they look through this world through the lens of despair, and they just say everything is going wrong. You know what Jesus says in this discourse? He says, look, life's going to be hard. You've heard me say this. To abide in Christ doesn't mean that all of a sudden, whew, 
things just go, they like me now. Someone and someone just stop being a jerk overnight. I have enough. You know, when we are Christian, there's real challenges that come. And Jesus says, you as disciples are going to face those challenges, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to give you my spirit. But then he says this. And with this, I truly close. I've said all this to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you face persecution, but take courage. I have conquered the world. So very few people (laughs) truly let those words grip them. But those words can enable us in this world to know that the story ends well. No matter what you deal with, no matter what you see that is wrong in the world, God has committed himself to this end that one day he will wipe tears from eyes that have known sorrow. That one day he would bring justice to all injustice. That one day he will restore and renew and there will no longer be what has been. And while we wait, we participate by crying, by hurting, by lamenting, by rejoicing, by faith, through prayer, through love, consistently believing this that the story ends well. Thanks be to God. My prayer as I leave you is that Renewal Week would have had some impact on you, but more significantly, that the one who renews hearts would continue to lead you now. I pray that his grace would be upon this community and that it would be made evident in how you interact with one another. You know, Jesus says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples by how you love one another. Let let me ask you some closing questions. (laughs) I guess I'm a little like my dad today. (laughs) Are there people here that that you have to be reconciled with? Maybe you want to change the world and and we can't even get along with each other. There's a little bit of a problem. Are there people groups? Is there a need for the Lord who makes us one to tear down some barriers within this community in order that we may begin the reconciliating work here? What is the Spirit leading you to do today? And as much as we, you know, here's what I realize. We, We live in such an incredible time where you can hear great sermons, great preachers. You can have information and articles from great writers and great authors. We can have so much knowledge, but here's what I'm convinced. The knowledge that comes from, word, all, from God's word always seeks to do one thing. 
It seeks to work in us and through us so that our lives become that word in life and in practice. So I ask you, if God by his spirit had spoken to you over this week, what is it that you must respond to today? Who is he calling you to? And who is he sending you to? Who needs to be at the table that you sit at that has been up until now excluded? May God, by his grace, make us one. As I close this time and allow you to leave, uh, I want to also extend an invitation to some of you who would enjoy or need or desire some prayer. There's an opportunity to come and uh, to be prayed for by some of your campus pastors and some of the leaders that are here. And again, from Ruthann and I, thanks for having us here. God bless you.